question of the day. If you could be a member of any TV sitcom family, which would it be and why? First of all, I was going to ask you this on one of the future episodes. <laughs> so what is I'm it? glad you beat me to it. Um, let me think. Um, okay. I think I would probably, wait, it's any, repeat it again real quick. Okay. If you could be a member of any TV sitcom family, which would it be? Okay. Um, I don't know if this, it's not like a whole, whole family, (laughs) but. But it's like a crew, and they like they like a family. Okay, if you could be a part, a member of any TV sitcom, what would it be? Girl, Martin, hands down. Martin, <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. Did you? <laughs> I did. I would definitely be in Martin. Like I would want to be one of the friends. Like yeah, so I wouldn't want to be like Martin or Gina. Well, I mean, being Martin or Gina would be dope. Like being the kind of black love example in the episode i would be down with that but if i couldn't have if i couldn't be gina and have my martin then i would definitely be part of the crew got it okay that's a good one um mine would definitely be mine is a little bit has a little bit of spin to it because you're gonna be like okay i wasn't expecting that since we took the family part out i changed my answer so (laughs) i would be a part of insecure Ooh, I like. And, yes, and I would just want to be Issa's friend. Not Molly, of course. Um, but I want to be one of Issa's friends. Just a friend to just, you know, be in the environment. And, you know, just to be able to. That's a really dope show. I love that show. Um, and I think that is the one I would pick. Okay, wait. But real quick, if you had to be one of Issa's friends, which friend would you be? Kelly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely Ke- Kelly. She's like free-spirited. Her. She's funny. Um, she's a dope person. We don't know much about her, but we know that she has uh, good intentions, always has good spirits, and will always make you laugh. So, yes, Kelly yeah. for the win. Look at y'all. Y'all got two questions of the day for the bonus. Welcome to episode eight of A Thin Line Between Life and What the Fuck, the podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Desiree. And I'm CK. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we are discussing all things women's health. I'm super excited because we are joined by one of our really good friends, mommy slayer, wife, childbirth educator, business owner, and friend tequila robertson welcome to the podcast tequila hi guys thanks for having me i'm excited thank you for tuning in we're super excited to chat we know you know all things women birth pregnancy well i mean i wouldn't say all (laughs) well a lot so right you probably know more you're the expert (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because we had a baby, so. we, we didn't. We ain't there yet. We <laughs> Exactly. So we're excited to chat. Um, 
this is something that's really near and dear to our hearts because Des and I want to become mothers one day. We want to understand how to navigate that. And we just become huge advocates for like mental health and just all things women's health. So super excited to dive in. So Tequila, like, is there anything you want to tell the people before we get started about you, where they can find you and your, your services, et cetera? Um, well, I am a doula and childbirth educator. Um, my Instagram is mama.2.mama. Um, my business name is Mama to Mama Southern Love. Um, I do uh, provide doula services virtual and in person, as, uh, as well as childbirth education, in person and virtual and virtual rental now. So I am working my way on becoming all things first. <laughs> That's so dope. Thank you. So Tequila, can you, like, how did you get started? Like, what kind of sparked a passion for that? Of course, you know, you just had baby Grant, but like, aside from that, like, what kind of started you on that path? Well, I've always loved childbirth. I was obsessed with it. I watched every childbirth show that was on TLC back in the day. Um, I When I went to college, I went pre-med bio because I wanted to go to med school to be an OBGYN. But mm-hmm. when I was there, I fell in love with psychology and ended up changing. But then, like a few years ago, I had a friend who told me that I could be a doula. I never heard of a doula. I looked it up. And at that time, I saw the um, training prices. I was like, yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I am broke right now. I just got out of college. (laughs) But then I watched the documentary called um, The Business of Being Born. And it's a documentary that Ricky Lake and I forgot the person that she made it with. But um, they made a documentary that was basically all about literally the business of being born and everything it's almost like a short little history but inside scoop of the like medicinal way of birthing and what is it costing us beyond just like insurance and money you pay out of pocket versus the other ways to birth and the thing about it is that we don't know that there's other options out there until someone tell us and meanwhile this other option is an option that our grandparents we're doing mm-hmm. our great grandparents were doing but because of how things have changed it's like now only way people know is hospital so after watching this business of being born everything just kind of clicked mm-hmm. in regards to the natural way of birthing and so I was after I watched it I was like there's no way possible I'm having a baby in the hospital like it's literally gonna have to be life or death and then years later i um start hearing about the how we as african-american women are dying Mm -hmm. and we're three Mm -hmm. to four more times likely to die and that's just the nation's average because in some areas like new york you're 12 times more likely to die than any other race sheesh Wow. And in Texas, it's even, you know, it's bad also. So why? Like, so, causing, so you're saying like in Texas and New York and all these different places, like what's causing the spike in the numbers? Like, what is it about black women? Like, help us understand more about that. 
the same thing we fight every day. Mm. It's racism. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. The lack of access to quality care, because it really doesn't matter how educated you are. And it really doesn't matter how much money you have, because we've seen that with Beyonce and Serena Williams. Mm -hmm. I mean, how much richer can you get and, you know, expect better care? It, it all it just falls into is racism and the you know systemic racism that we deal with as African Americans. It's in the and then also you have to think about let's go all the way back to slavery. How did you know obstetrics start? It was literally stolen from granny midwives is what they call them now Mm -hmm. and that's basically the black midwives that started midwifery um, and Mm -hmm. brought it here to the united states well white man comes in and steals their practices and change it but then you also have to think about all of the different procedures that were done on black women with no anesthetic and they're basically being cut on operated on anything dealing with um, gynecology and obstetrics and they're not getting no anesthesia yeah so i heard about um you probably know a lot more about it than me or chelsea do but i don't remember who sent it to me chelsea could have been you but someone sent me this post that they had seen on an instagram and it was talking about this um white doctor back in the day like he became really popular as like one of the best Mm -hmm. doctors or something and he used to do his experiments like surgical experiments on black women and they weren't under any type of anesthesia or anything like Mm -hmm. that and then he would take it to white people like to europe i believe and he would go Mm -hmm. to the same stuff that he was doing to black women on the white women but of course he would go through the proper procedures and processes and put them to sleep and stuff like that but he would he would start his little experiments on black women because he had this ignorant belief that black women didn't feel pain or something like that Do you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. have you heard that yeah that's the father of obstetrician and gynecology mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's the father of that um, and that's also what I was getting to is the reason why there's this bias that black people don't feel pain like everyone else. Yeah. And the thing about it is like, even with that, it's way deeper than us physically not feeling pain. Like we mm-hmm. have always had to some way cope with pain. And so when mm-hmm. you have this coping mechanism with pain, Sometimes it can seem like we can take more pain, but no, that's not the case. It still hurt us just like it hurt everyone right. else. Maybe. But we just, because of our, you know, defense mechanisms and having to cope with all of the pain that we've been through, we just cope right. with it. But it's killing us along with racism in the hospital. And um, there's this, case that I follow called for Kira mom and it's about um, it's this father who started this uh, movement he was fighting really hard in California but basically um, his wife went in had her baby and afterwards she was complaining about pain and he notified the doctor he notified the nurses let them know they didn't um, come in to give her any pain medicine um, they said that she started hemorrhaging at one point 
but they took forever to try to give her care. Like longer than, like when you're, when somebody's hemorrhaging, that's like, you're supposed to be on top of it immediately. There's no waiting for anything. So for Because they're losing their blood at a large amount. Okay. Okay. So I was going to ask for people so, who haven't had a baby or aren't familiar with that terminology, because I've heard it on like TV shows, stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. Could you explain what hemorrhaging is? And yeah, and hemorrhaging can also happen outside of having a baby. If you just go get surgery done, you can hemorrhage. Mm-hmm. If, if someone's cutting into you and they're sewing you back like that, that's the whole part mm-hmm. of hemorrhaging. Um, but with if you have a vaginal birth, it's more in regards to the placenta detaching from the wall is what really the hemorrhaging is coming gotcha. from. Um, but like you, there's no waiting period and they were waiting too long and she died. And so he's been constantly like lobbying and fighting and sitting in many, many meetings with people like he's trying to get laws changed and things like that. And just bringing the the awareness to what is happening because it's not just her, it's tons of women. And, you know, people always want to say, well, you know, every, yeah, okay, cool. Everyone else. Yes, they are. But when we're dying at these high numbers like this, I'm sorry, why did it take to get to three to four more times? Why? What happened to like one? Right. <laughs> like, that was something right. that you should have paid attention to. And then I thought about that and I thought back to when I first saw Ricky Lake's documentary. That documentary was made in 2009. And even on there, she was talking about the high numbers of women dying due to this bias. But just the horrible maternal care that we have in the United States, period. And then right. I didn't hear the United States talking about it until 2019. Mm-hmm. That's oh, wow. a whole 10 years mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. everyone else become aware of something that's been going right. on. And you so know, that's would... where... Oh, no, I'm sorry, Tequila. I was just going to say, um, I think I've been kind of ignorant to the fact of, like, what's going on, like, here recently, you know, with the current climate um, and the racial issues that we're seeing. I'm seeing a lot of people being called out in the medical, like, doctors, nurses um, are being mm-hmm. fired for, like, racial slurs or racial remarks. And it just makes you think, like, are these people intentionally, like, you know, killing us? Like, I get what you're saying, like when they did the testing and, you know, they weren't giving certain um, black women anesthesia or whatever the case may be. But it almost makes you think, like, is it intentional? You know, are they trying to kill us? Because just the things that I'm seeing, these doctors, nurses, you know, just any type of doctor. It's just like appalling to see that they're saying these types of things and they're taking care of people you know, black mm-hmm. babies, black women, black men every single day. And this is how they truly feel at heart. So do you, do you see, do you think like it's something that's intentional or do you just feel like they're not giving us proper care? Um, well, it's, it'll be different for everyone because you have to realize some people don't even realize that they're racist uh, because of the norm of what they've seen, heard and grew up around. Where Mm -hmm. it just seems like that's what's normal. So they don't really connect that with actually being racist. So they're subconsciously doing it. Um, And then, of course, you do have some people that do it for money and don't care. 
You have people that are actually just, you know, they, it's no different from like the police. It's intentionally done. Mm -hmm. So it's really mm -hmm. different for some of them. But when they're going through med school, like there's literally been doctors and of all races who have basically said that that is a belief that is kind of taught in med school in regards to Black people being able to, you know, um, tolerate more pain. So oh, wow. it's almost like it's ingrained into their learning. That is so wild. Uh, and all of it is, you know, we don't come up with these systems. We don't come up with these organizations. We don't come up with this stuff. So the people who are founding these organizations and controlling and putting their money into these organizations are the ones that, you know, ultimately controlling it all. Let me ask mm -hmm. you this, because um, I think I might have seen you talk about this a little bit, and it was really intriguing to me, and I kind of looked into it a little bit, but... I mean, I'm not having a baby like tomorrow, so I kind of stopped. Um, but the concept of how people have babies. So what I mean is laying on their mm -hmm. back. And a lot of people think mm -hmm. and are led to believe that that's the way you should do it and, and all of that against their own beliefs sometimes. Because I've always thought about, like, that don't even make no sense to me. Like, why would you lay on your back? Like, why don't you do something that, you know, gravity can help, you know? So... What mm -hmm. are your thoughts? What's the gems you can drop on kind of the method to actually having a child and giving birth? Is that the right way to do it? Um, whatever way your body tells you is the right way okay. to do it. And mm -hmm. um, I, for some, some they can end up, you know, on their back. But before they got to their back, they were in a different position that allowed the baby enough room to be able to come down in that canal and most of the times they were already mm -hmm. upright because like you say it goes against gravity um when we're laying on it you have to think about how the vaginal canal is made it's not like straight out from our butt mm -hmm. <laughs> like there's not, it's almost <laughs> like a toilet you know how the toilet has its piping so that you know the sewage mm -hmm. can't go back up mm -hmm. so we have like that that curve so you're asking a baby to try to push up against that curve and come mm -hmm. out where that doesn't, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't help right. neither one. Um, but you have to think about is that not only is your body working, your baby is working. So mm -hmm. if your baby has to work 10 times harder than it needs to, then its heart rate is going to fail. The baby's going to get tired. Like you're going right. to get tired and it's going right. to make your labor longer. So if you're in a more of an upright position, you allow the gravity to help bring the baby down. Also, it gives the baby more room to be able to move around. It gives your pelvis more room to spread out. Like towards, well, it's not more towards the end. It's kind of like halfway through your pregnancy, your body starts releasing a hormone called relaxing. And that's basically just making all of your joints relax. It makes the, it gives that extra elasticity needed for them to move around and it's mainly for your pelvis but because it's a hormone it's just released throughout your body so you know your hands <laughs> they're gonna feel it I at five months I couldn't wear heels anymore because my feet mm -hmm. couldn't take it because of the relaxant it was it mm -hmm. would hurt so bad for me to wear heels that's why I'd be commending women I'm like I don't know how you're nine months in heels because my feet <laughs> couldn't take it at five months and I wasn't right. even big 
So it wasn't even the weight, it was the hormone. And so if you're laying down and your these hormones are already pumping through your body, it has your joints all loosey goosey and everything, you're smashing the birth canal and you're losing 30% of the area where the baby's able to come out. So now the baby only has 70%. It has Just to by work laying you. down, you're, you're oh, wow. taking away 30%. Just by wow. being on your back. Yes. And so wow. with our bodies and the way that everything works, as the baby is passing through the pelvis, our tailbone, that mm-hmm. sacral bone, it has to push back. If you're laying on it, it can't push back. So the baby is having difficulty getting in the right positions to move through the canal and to get through your pelvis. And it Mm -hmm. also helps to turn the baby with each contraction so that they can, it's almost like they're swirling through a little Mm -hmm. funnel. So if you're on your back, you're, you know, hurting this whole natural process of your body working the way it's supposed to work. So what do you, so if you're more, go ahead. If you're more in an upright position, even if you have to stay in your bed, because a lot of times, well, really, whenever you, most women get the epidural, they are not allowed to leave the bed anymore, but you're able to lean on the back of the bed so that you're in an upright position for your baby to still allow the gravity to help bring them down. And then you can always turn or you can just have your baby in that position because it's going to help anyway. It'll be a lot easier than having to then turn around and get on your back to push a baby up and out. So what do you tell someone who's like, well, my doctor said, or can I tell my doctor how I want to give birth? Like, what's the advice that you give people who, you know, are super new moms, probably haven't done a lot of research, might have done some research, but they hear a lot of conflicting things. Um, What's the advice that you Mm -hmm. give people if they're hearing this like, oh, well, I want to give birth, you know, a different way. So um, to be realistic, because I want to be actually like real realistic, you do have rights. You know, we tell moms, you have rights. You know, you can choose this in X, Y, and Z. Um, I recently posted about it on my page. Uh, Well, when you're birthing in a hospital, they have policies. Now your rights, your basic human rights do trump their policies but your doctor has to answer to those hospital's policies to be able to continue to attend birth at that hospital. So now they're under, you know, rules and stuff that they can or cannot do. The best mm-hmm. thing to do is to speak to your provider early and about, about your choices, because that allows you to know if this is a provider for you. A lot of people go into looking for a doctor and they just pick one based off of what their insurance, you know, cover Mm -hmm. or who recommends them. But we need to change that thinking because we're hiring them. So when you have the mindset of I'm hiring you and not you coming there and having to do whatever they say, you'll be Mm -hmm. able to take back some of your confidence in regards to you telling them how you would like to birth because ultimately it is your birth. That's a good point. So people have to interview these providers because when you go to find a midwife and you go to find a doula, you don't just pick one, you interview them and you interview multiple. And then you decide who matches with you because birthing is such a vulnerable process. 
you don't want to have the wrong people in the room because then that is the difference from you having a joyous birth and a traumatic birth. Right. Can we talk about that for, oh, I'm sorry. Like for people that don't know what a doula is or a midwife, like the differences, do you have both during your pregnancy? Can you kind of talk to that? So midwives, um, you have different types of midwives. Let's start there. So you have certified midwives who are, um, they don't have any medical background. They went to school, they're at midwifery school, did all of the practicing that they had to do and graduated in their midwife. You have certified nurse midwives, they're nurse practitioners. So they're RNs, but of course they're nurse practitioners. So they're basically like a doctor, only thing they can't do is surgery. Um, but then they went to midwifery school and they're a midwife. So they're a nurse midwife, they have a medical background. Um, and then we have what we call in the birth community medwives. Um, they're midwives, but they work primarily in the hospital. So the difference okay. between a midwife and a medwife is how they practice. So a midwife practice more of a physiological birth. So allowing your body to do what it's gonna do. They don't care how long it's gonna take. We're gonna sit here and if you wanna transfer to a hospital, sure. But if you wanna continue to sit here and we try to get this baby out, that's what we're gonna do until we feel the need that you need to go to the hospital. Medwives, you're gonna be at a hospital birthing. And it's usually a birthing center that's connected to the hospital, um, but they practice more kind of like doctors. So you may get the talks about the interventions. You may get the push for the interventions. Sure, you can have an epidural. So different things like that. You can't have an epidural with a midwife because they, they don't do that. So yeah. um, it's completely So is a natural. midwife or medwife, um, is, so the category that you've been talking about right now, are they like they kind of coach you through the process is that really their main objective for having a midwife or a midwife yes so when you go to a midwife um you go to them throughout your whole prenatal care uh midwives sometimes they join with ob so you may see an ob and you may also see them it just depends on which one you choose some will do some don't but um if you have a midwife they handle all your prenatal care they handle the labor and delivery and postpartum care so it's a one-stop mm-hmm. shop for you. Um, and it is cheaper than having a baby in a hospital. The whole process is cheaper wow. than having a baby in a hospital. And that's just having the baby in the hospital. You still got to pay for all the doctor visits, mm-hmm. all the sonograms, and everything else. When with midwifery care, that comes all in one. Um, at the most that I've seen for midwifery care is $5,000. That's for oh, prenatal wow. visits, labor and delivery, and wow. postpartum, and checking of wow. the baby. <laughs> wow. That's all of that, $5,000. And your insurance can cover some of it. Or um, if you do want to pay out of pocket, then you can pay out of pocket, which you go to the hospital and you have a vaginal birth, and that's $13,000. That's just for the vaginal birth, not the Ooh. visits, not afterwards. And if you have a cesarean, depending on where you're at, it can be, you know, right. 30000 Wow. I never knew having a baby, having a baby could be so expensive. Yes. Wow. And that's the reason why people are like, having a baby is so expensive. Well, yeah, having a baby in the hospital is very expensive for you. And then on top of that, for you not to even get the care that you're supposed to get. Right. 
I guess my question, uh, Tequila, would be, you know, being that it seems like it's more of a natural process, you have more dedication and commitment to your care and your baby's care. Why would or why do we see more people having hospital births? Uh, births, you know, going more of the traditional route, I guess, um, of today's society versus, you know, hiring a mid or a midwife. Um, well, before I answer that, let me do because I forgot to answer about the um, doula. So doula, doula care is the support for the mother. So we support the mother throughout their pregnancy. If you have any questions, any education, any resources, any research, anything that you can think of, we're able to assist you with that and um, make sure that you have the educated, education needed to be able to have that voice for yourself, to advocate, to be able to pick the right doctor, to be able to create the right birthing um, birth team for you. So we help throughout that process. And then we help with labor and delivery, um, pain mm -hmm. management. Um, we, whatever it is really basically that you need, we help with breastfeeding, establishing breastfeeding. Um, and we usually say a few hours after you have the baby just to make sure everything's good. Some of us go back for postpartum visits. Everybody kind of um, have their own way of doing their business. For me, mm -hmm. um, I believe in mama-centered care. So um, I make sure that the mother is always good uh, because if you don't have a good mom, it's kind of hard to have a good baby. So, um, you know, everyone thinks about, you know, the baby, the baby, the baby. That's all you ever hear is the baby. Okay, we got to do this for the baby, the baby, the baby. But what about the mama? So that's what my care is centered around the mom because the mom is just, import just as important as the baby. Both of when is the appropriate time to look into or to actually get a mid or medwife or or and or a doula in the very very beginning of your pregnancy or as you are a certain you know trimester what's the what's the best practice there so for your midwife you can get them at the very beginning you don't ever have to even go see an ob they can do everything they can um establish that you are pregnant you don't get a bunch of sonograms, uh, you get one, and that's usually your dating and anatomy one, and that's around 18 to 20 weeks. Um, mm -hmm. You don't get any more after that because it's not necessary, and babies do not like hmm. them. So um, they mm -hmm. don't believe in getting a lot of them because it's no point, unless there is an issue. But if there's an issue, you wouldn't be in the risk of care anyway. You'll be with an OB because that's when they're actually needed. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, for so you can get them at the very beginning, but some people have transferred over to midwifery care, left their OB at like 20 weeks, 30 weeks. Um, some do have a cutoff for when they do take on new clients. Some have been taking new clients at 39 weeks because of COVID and you know people not wanting to birth in the hospital. So it's really just calling around trying to see who will take you. Um, mm -hmm. but you can get midwifery care at any time. And also what a lot of people don't know is that midwives also do women's health. So if you want to go to them afterwards, or if you just want to go to them instead of going to a doctor, you can go get your pap smear for, from a midwife. Yeah. So yeah. they can do your well, your well women's visits. Um, and a lot of people don't know that. And it is more than likely cheaper, especially if you don't How have do you insurance. Find one? Is it the so, same way um, that you would find like an OB? You can. Um, some insurance companies do have nurse midwives. So insurance companies will only cover nurse midwives. 
lately because of COVID, they've been kind of covering everybody. But um, before COVID, it was just, they'll cover nurse midwives. And it's mainly because they have the medical background versus just someone that's a certified, um, hmm. certified midwife. But you can find midwives either through your insurance, Google. Um, there are different platforms that have directories. Um, or if you do get a doula, they can help you find a midwife because um, we do have to have a resource list to be able to provide all of our clients. So we provide that resource list and it's usually recommendations for different doctors and practitioners on there. So a doula can help you find a midwife. It's many ways to find midwives. Um, it's just first that people got to be educated on knowing that they have right. this option. Right. And how much is a doula typically? I know you said like the entire process um, using a mid or midwife is about 5000 or that's the most you've seen. How much is a doula on average? So um, doulas usually provide more care than just doula care and different services. So it can go anywhere from you can get a doula for free to, through different um, nonprofit organizations. So either free or very um, inexpensive, like $100 and $200. Um, but they can cost all the way up to a couple thousand because it really just depends on what package you choose of theirs and mm -hmm. what is it that, what all the services that you want. Because they do have this doula care or if you want placenta encapsulation or if you want prenatal yoga, there are some that do birth photography. There's some that do all different types of things. Like now I'm thinking about being, becoming a fertility doula to be able to mm -hmm. help people get pregnant. So it's right. doulas for some of everything. Um, it's even doulas for like people that's in hospice so that they can have oh. somebody there. Yeah, that way they can have somebody there as they're passing. Erica Badu. That's crazy. Um, she sits with a lot of people as they're passing. Yeah, she's a birth doula and I forgot the name of it, but that's what she does. She sits with people as they're passing and she helps bring people across wow. when they're being born. Well, helping oh, mom. I like that. That's so, so cool. I love that. Um, a lot of this information, I had no idea I could have a doula after I have a baby. Like, this is all very good information um, that people need to yeah. know. And they're so part of doulas, too. <laughs> Wow. So See? doulas that come and sit with you for post through your postpartum care, they usually through you. We call it the fourth trimester because people usually don't even think about it. They think you right. have a baby and that's the end. That is yep. not the end. You have mm -hmm. what we call the fourth trimester. And this is the trimester that is kind of like make it to break it for some um, people when it comes to breastfeeding, um, mm -hmm. uh, mental health. You know, our hormones are changing so much within this time because we just went from having a surge of hormones. We have a baby and our mm -hmm. hormones just plummet all the way down. And so mm -hmm. now it has to rebalance. And that's during the time when a lot of people go through baby blues and um, mm -hmm. it can spark postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. So if you have like a postpartum doula, they're there to help you like around your home if there's any cleaning or if you have oh, other wow. kids, they're able to help wow. with other kids. They help you with breastfeeding. They, you know, so look cool. out for the signs <laughs> of depression and anxiety. Yeah, like I said, there's a doula for some of everything. And um, 
to get back to the other question that you asked me, why people won't, like why they're not choosing midwifery care versus having a baby in the hospital is it comes down to one, not knowing that you have choices, not having the access to these choices, um, pain, you know, they don't have the money or the insurance to be able to indulge in these services. Um, but you also have to think about there's only one way that pretty much everyone knows you have right. a baby and that's at the hospital. When people get pregnant, the first thing they do is they run to the doctor. So if you don't really know, if you don't have the education, you don't, um, you don't know that you have another option and then it comes down to fear. Because of how media has portrayed birth and how mm -hmm. everyone ha has had almost a traumatic experience with birth, everyone has this fear surrounding birth and surrounding being pregnant and surrounding labor. And that's where we as a people, you know, you come to this part in your 20s where you start to unlearn a lot of mm -hmm. things that you learned growing up. And now you're starting to learn new things. So it's like birth is also one of those things you have to unlearn and take out that fear because literally our body is made to birth. There's like nothing you really need yeah. to do. And like, even if you were stuck in the woods with nobody around, your body will birth your baby. So what is there to fear? Something you that you're what? made I'm, to do. Um... I'm one of those people. I'm just going to be super transparent. I'm one of those people who it's hard for me to watch like birthing videos and stuff like that. It just kind of freaks me out. And it's not like it's beautiful. And I love the I love everything you just said as far as like, hey, we're made to do that. I think that's beautiful. I think our bodies are amazing. Um, I think the part that freaks me out and kind of puts that fear in me is the pain factor because i think before you get pregnant and have a baby and all of that you hear and see different things about the level of pain like some people like um i know someone mm -hmm. who had a baby and her her she was in labor for i don't even remember it was it was a short amount of time and they told her oh it's because like you're super athletic and you played sports and stuff like that then I know other people who their experience mm -hmm. is completely different and it was, you know, it was super painful and that was their experience. Then I know, you know, you, of course, and you had like a water birth and, you know, you had an amazing experience just like overall. And it's like you just see and hear different stuff. And we don't, at least for me, I don't really know what to expect from a pain factor. I'm like, is it just like the equivalent of like mm -hmm. OD cramps? Like, you know what I'm saying? Or is it something worse than that? Like, I don't have anything to compare it to. And I think that's the thing that freaks me out, right? It's like, mm -hmm. I don't know how bad this is going to hurt. I see videos of women screaming. And then I see videos of, of women who are just, like, kind of pushing, mm -hmm. like, normal. And it's like, you we don't really know what to expect until you're in it. And so I think for me, that's where the fear comes in. It's like, I really don't know how painful it is, especially when I see the videos. I just saw one, like, last week. And this woman was legitimately just like screaming the whole time. And I'm like, okay. Hmm. Yeah. So that's where it kind of comes from with me. <laughs> <laughs> what you described is why I didn't think I was mm -hmm. in labor for the longest. Because I was like, I mean, I don't know. It's not as painful as people make it seem. 
I'm like, okay, right. maybe I'm in labor. I mean, the concessions are pretty, right. you know, they still come in. <laughs> because I was expecting this pain, but because birth is 80% mental, 20% the physical part of it. So if you go into it with fear and you go into it saying, oh my gosh, it's going to hurt, your body's going to reject it, mm-hmm. which makes it worse. Mm-hmm. You're going to reject it. You're going to fight it. And being tense, yeah. all of that makes it work. On top of mm-hmm. the fact that most of the people who you're probably describing were probably induced. Mm-hmm. And when you're induced, your contractions are completely different from how your body would naturally release the oxytocin. Because what they're giving mm-hmm. you is oxytocin. It's a synthetic form of the hormone oxytocin. Mm-hmm. And it's so strong that the contractions that it's giving the mom are the contractions that you're supposed to have at the very end of birth. Like literally mm-hmm. in that very end of birth is like maybe mm-hmm. a few like mm-hmm. minutes. It's not hours of pain. It's minutes because you're basically having those contractions to get the baby head right. out, get the baby body out. Not to start your whole labor. You don't supposed oh, wow. to go through those type of pains through your whole labor. When your body is naturally going through your contractions, you can feel them coming. They just don't hit you. Like you can feel it. It slowly rises. And then it intensifies. So what would you compare it to? Like the pain, you know, Chelsea and I, we clearly haven't had babies before. So what would you compare the pain to? So a a normal like cramp from your cycle would be a what on a scale from one to 10 compared to pregnancy? I had intense cramps. Um, So I knew how to deal with that pain. So to me, when I started having these contractions, it just felt like my mm. period cramp. Oh, wow. It was just a little bit more intense because even at the very early of that morning when I first woke up and I started feeling this pain, I was like, I feel like I'm cramping. It was really dull. Mm. It wasn't that strong, but it felt like mm. a regular period cramp. But as it started intensifying, it just felt like a more intensified period cramp. Okay. And <clears throat> I just felt it more in like my back and like my hips and my legs but those are the Mm -hmm. same areas I would feel my period um cramp right also so I was like well my period kind of set me up for this you know um but that's all it feels like and I mean I've had other people also explain and just depending on you know how your baby is turning what position and different things like that can um affect the pain that you may be feeling um because it can get a little intense. Towards the end, I really didn't feel pain like that. It was just more of, you know, I'm contracting and the baby's trying to make their way out. The thing about it is that people don't... (laughs) You just glossed over that. Let's let's (laughs) go back to where the fear came from. I got a little scared when you said it. And you said, yeah, but anyways. so, (laughs) So... because okay. that's how short it is. <laughs> that's really how short it is. Like if your body, if you're letting your body naturally go through it, that mm-hmm. most intense part is is so short that you don't even think about it after so long. Like it's mm-hmm. really a short period of time. But like I said, that is the very ending where these women who are getting divorced are having that ending pain. 
throughout right. their whole induction with also with induction you're forcing a process right. that shouldn't be going on anyway so you're right. forcing your baby out see Got the thing it. that starts that jump starts labor is your baby's lungs maturing so as they as it gets later in the pregnancy your baby start you know practicing using their lungs a little bit and they start practicing eating also like they take in some of the amniotic fluid they eat that and they they practice their breathing well when they get confident enough and their lungs are mature they take that deep breath and it sends out a hormone to your body mm. to start laboring so if wow. your baby hasn't taken that and you're forcing that that's why some babies who are um, born from an induction end up in the NICU mm -hmm. for probably a couple of days. Your baby's lungs were probably not matured yet, and you just forced them out before they were oh, ready. Wow. And the wow. thing about getting pregnant is that nobody knows exactly the day you got pregnant. So they don't know an exact right. due date. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of hard to gauge on should you be having your baby right now just because of a due date because this due date could be two weeks ahead it could be two weeks behind so, you don't know it's just a guesstimate because they go based off of when you had your last so what period. i'm hearing is two things that i've heard so far that i wanted to clarify for people is getting induced forces a process that your body was naturally trying to go through which can cause for possibly a more painful labor is one and two is that no matter what your due date is so let's just play and say september 1st i should not cut try to rush the process just to make that date i should kind of let my body do its thing for all mm -hmm. the reasons that you've explained or is that mm -hmm. those things right mm -hmm. okay yeah because, like I said, due dates are guesstimates. It's not exact because your baby could come weeks after that, especially a first-time mom. Um, your baby can come up 42 weeks. I mean, that's a full-term pregnancy anyway. That's 10 months. Um, mm -hmm. That's full-term, which they've moved. It used to be 38 was full-term, which is really not. That's just when they'll say that they'll start inducing you. Uh, mm -hmm. That's when they feel like the baby's lungs are matured enough um mm -hmm. to be able to withstand breathing out on their own once they come out and they don't have to stay in Nikki for long but then they moved it back to 39 um and also with that usually when women go to their doctors the doctor will be like okay let's talk about the induction date and they think that they automatically have to sign up for this date mm -hmm. because that's what their doctor said you have the right to refuse you do not have to induce just because your doctor says, ask them for an evidence-based reason on why you have to induce. Right. Mm -hmm. Don't let them say that the baby's too big. That's not evidence-based. They mm -hmm. want to say that your fluids get low. Well, the baby's eating the fluids. So yeah, we're going to expect mm -hmm. it to get a little lower than what it would usually be any other time. Um, you know, like they give many reasons. It's the the main one is your baby's too big. Our bodies are made to do this. There's people out there birthing oh, no. 15 pound babies. Unless they so, so gracious. <laughs> oh no! And wow. it's not right back like nothing mm -hmm. happened. 
Oh my god! So, me and Chelsea over here like, oh no, it's fifteen pounds. Uh uh-uh. Exactly. Like at that wow. point, I'd probably be like, "Well, maybe we might need to do this." He's like, "Right?" Like I would be looking at my dog, like, "Okay, he's seven but... pounds." <laughs> right. Double him. Oh my god. Double him. Is it? Is it? Is it the same for moms that have twins? Tequila? Is uh, it? As far I as mean, so you know how you just said like heavier babies of course they're holding two babies but do you mm-hmm. see is there any connection when you have twins if more uh mothers do water births or hospital births or have to be induced like is there any scientific like research or evidence that you've seen to be any differences when people have twins or moms so, not people women so um there are some midwives that deliver twins. There are some midwives that won't. At that point, you kind of test out of what they're um, um, <clears throat> able to do. And you also have to think about what state you're in because some states don't mm-hmm. allow midwives to be able to deliver twins. So mm-hmm. um, most of the times women do have to get an OB once they do have twins. Gotcha. Even then, if your babies are okay, they're growing okay, you don't have to induce, you don't have to set up that C-section. You can let your baby naturally birth your baby. And there's always this thing of they're not in the right position. A baby can get into the right position all the way up until it starts going into the canal. So don't schedule an induction at 37 weeks because your baby hasn't, his baby's not head down yet. Your baby has plenty of time to flip. And then it, even if your baby don't flip, you can make your baby flip um, by doing different things. And if you look up spinning babies, which is also um, a practice in a company, they have tons of free information out there that tells you how to naturally flip your baby. And I even had to do one of their techniques because Grant was on one of the wrong sides and he flipped yeah. to the other side. And I'm like, I'm not understanding right. why doctors don't know this. And the only thing I did was like, my head was down, my butt was up, literally flipped the baby. And the reason why is because it allowed gravity to back him up Mm -hmm. off of my pelvis so that he could have time to get into a different position before I stand back up and gravity brings him right back down into my pelvis. I just don't understand why doctors wouldn't tell you all of this stuff. It's like, wouldn't it benefit you as a doctor? Because how are they going to charge you for that? How are they going to charge you medically for that? That's so sad. Right. They are only taught like a medicinal way to give birth. They don't know what natural, like letting the body naturally do Mm. what they're not taught that anymore. If you find a doctor Mm -hmm. like that, nine times out of Mm -hmm. 10, they're old. They're older doctors that probably about to retire after they deliver your baby. It's very few in between. <laughs> it's very few in between that actually were taught about natural, like completely natural birth. A lot of people think that natural birth is just mm-hmm. not having epidural, but it, that's not natural birth. You, I mean, it's not. It's that's natural not birth, it. but it's like natural birth is more than just not having epidural. It's a mm-hmm. complete mindset. It's a complete, like, you have to learn how to look inwards. You have to learn how to read what your body is telling you because literally your body will tell you exactly what you need to do. If you need to get down on all fours 
to help a baby get in the right position, your body will tell you if you listen to it. If you need to be closer mm -hmm. to the floor, it'll tell you. If you need to lay on your side, it'll tell you. You have to mm -hmm. listen to your body. And like I just told one of my clients, I was like, soon you're going to be able to feel your baby kick. This is when you need to learn how to start listening to your inner self, your inner body. You know, you're going to be you, forming a relationship with a baby you've never seen that's inside of you. And so you're already kind of listening inside, but you also have to listen inside to yourself to be able to hear what it is that you need. Because your body will definitely tell you everything. So, you need. is there a benefit, or mm -hmm. I'm sure there are some benefits, but for people who are like, especially Black women, specifically Black women, um, who are like, I, well, you know, we always want, I want a Black therapist, I want a Black this, I want a Black that. Is there actual <laughs> benefit to getting a Black doctor or a midwife or a medwife or doula or? Um, any of those, is there a benefit in having a Black one if you're a Black woman? Um, yes and no, because some of them are institutionalized mm -hmm. to what they were taught in med school. So some mm -hmm. of them are no better than the white doctors. They do and right. learn and say and treat you the same way that white doctors do and that's the reason why you are to interview them you have to like I said you're hiring them so you need to figure out who it is you don't just go pick somebody off the street and say hey come work with me what are your credentials you know what is your c-section rate what is your v-back rate for a lot of moms that had c-sections and now want to give a vaginal birth do you mm -hmm. support v-back what is your thoughts on breastfeeding? You know, different things that, th these are questions that you need to ask. Like if right. the baby's cord is wrapped around its neck, mm -hmm. what is it that you'll do about that? And if mm -hmm. having a C-section is the thing that they say, it's not evidence-based. So at that point, <laughs> I'll be like, mm -hmm. right. you're just trying to cut. Cause a lot yep. of people get down to just cutting because why mm -hmm. it doesn't mess up their schedule. They don't have to wait for you to have this baby. They can go mm -hmm. on and have their life and go on their vacations because everything is all scheduled. Having mm -hmm. these C-sections are not always because people need them. And a lot of times people are told that they have to have an emergency C-section. If you have to have an emergency C-section and you're waiting, you know, an hour later to have your right. C-section, it was an emergency. Right, exactly. Like there's no emergency. The emergency would have been, we're rolling you up out of here. You got to get down. We got to get down to the OR. Ain't no mm -hmm. other questions. Ain't, you know, mm -hmm. we got to get you out of here. Right. That's an emergency C-section. Right, right. And with yeah. the amount of interventions that they give people, it nine times out of 10 ends them up in those, you have to have a C-section situation. Got it. Got it. I have a question. Um, so for women who want to have babies um, and want to, you know, prepare their bodies and ensure that, I know you talked about like fertility, are there any things that you would suggest to people who want to be moms? Like whether it's just some things they can do, whether it's what they eat or just how to take care of their body to get prepared or to give them a better chance of getting pregnant? Um, so most of the time, when people do have a hard time getting pregnant, um, you know, they go and they get the testings and everything, but there are certain detoxes that you can do. 
because your the toxins that build up in our body from the different things we eat, smell, mm-hmm. drink, all of that um, can inhibit you from being able to get pregnant. And people go mm-hmm. these years and years and they can't get pregnant. No matter what the doctor gives them, they're still not getting pregnant. They probably need to go see a holistic, you know, someone who is holistic and know about fertility because they probably have to detox their body. Um, mm-hmm. Making sure you eat well, do detox your body, even if you're not trying to have a baby. Like those yoni scenes from, you know, reputable places, um, they help because you're mm-hmm. detoxing your body of all of these chemicals, you know, just even just your day-to-day life, people who have headaches all the time, you can detox to help to pull out some of those metals from your body to let's make your situation, you know, less painful. We mm-hmm. have so many toxins and different things, um, everyday things that most of the times they're blocking what's needed to be done, uh, what our body needs to naturally do. And so people just, you know, look at the different things outside of just medicine they're able, you know, to have different options where people will try herbs, um, making sure you're eating well. Uh, A lot of people don't know, but working out definitely helps, especially your abs. Um, Because when you do get pregnant and you start to get bigger, your abs separate. So after you have a baby, you still have some type of separation. But if you don't build your abs up before then, your separation may be worse where like when I say separation, I mean, some people you can put four fingers in the middle of their abs. Like, so mm. the separation can be bad depending mm. on how big and how they grew. Um, so making sure your abs are strong enough, that way they can be able to withstand that and come back and heal properly. Um, a lot of people don't think about um, afterwards how they need to build their abs. And a lot of times they'll have back pain. Well, if you don't have stronger abs, you will have back pain problems. Even if you don't have a baby, if you have weak abs, you will have back problems. They always say that the way to strengthen your back is through your abs. And that's the same even after having a baby. Um, you'll, pro- you'll have bad posture, uh, posture because you're weak abs. So, um, making sure mm-hmm. that your abs are good. Working out is always good, um, even for your pelvic floor, because mm-hmm. the baby has to work through that. And once you still hold the baby, they're towards the end, they're like kind of resting on your pelvic floor. So they're stretching those muscles out. Um, mm-hmm. And after you have the baby, like some women, they still have issues with being able to hold their pee. Um, or even just being sexually pleased because our pelvic floor also have a lot to do with our orgasms. So mm-hmm. um, if you have a weak pelvic floor, you're going to have weak orgasms and you have to strengthen your pelvic floor. A lot of women probably should go get pelvic floor therapy, but they don't know mm-hmm. that. Um, maybe their doctor didn't tell them that after checking their pelvic floor, if they check their pelvic floor um, after they went for their six week appointment which really should have been at three weeks, but we ain't going to talk about that. Um, (laughs) But once they go for that, they're supposed to be checked. Their pelvic floor is supposed to be checked to see if it's strong enough. Well, at that time, they'll recommend if they need, you know, physical therapy for it. So um, most women don't get that because, of course, 
they don't have the access to it or they don't have the you know insurance for it so it's so much that we need that again with black people we are always mar- uh, marginalized for it even when it comes mm-hmm. down to breastfeeding a lot of people really don't know why they choose formula i'm actually reading a book right now is on the history of formula and how it was marketed to um, black people and it's like I get so tired I kind of get tired of reading things and I'm like why why like why do y'all want to bother us with that because it seems like everything every issue we have it if you go back to the roots it's racism Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing with formula it started that way so it's just when you know why what you you know why you do what you do then you'll think about other ways to do different things or you'll at least mm-hmm. make the connection because that's a, a huge thing in the birthing community also informed consent a lot of people don't get informed consent they just kind of get told what to do but they they really don't know why they're doing that because nobody explains to them when they actually have the right to informed consent um but they just make decisions based off of what the doctor tells them where basically the doctor just comes in and tell them this is what we have to do and nobody stops to be like why so um it's it's just so much when it comes to you know people think you get pregnant you have a baby you go on about life but what i learned is that there's tons of research that is needed to be done taking a childbirth education class is probably the best thing that any expecting parent can do. Um, Mm -hmm. And parent, so it's not even just for the mom, it's for the partner too. Because especially like right now with COVID, you can only have one support person in the hospital, which nine times out of 10 is gonna be that person's partner. That person is your biggest advocate now because you can't have Mm -hmm. a doula to advocate for you because we can't come into the hospital. So now this person is the biggest advocate for you. If they don't know that you have certain rights, and you're in the middle of excruciating pain, because of course you don't feel like advocating for yourself, because when we go into labor, mm-hmm. our brain changes. Our, you know, your whole chemical makeup in your brain changes. You can't make a sound decision while going through labor. If you're in a right. certain part of your labor, you're not thinking about that. Your brain won't even allow you to you start <laughs> saying crazy things. You don't want people mm-hmm. to talk to you. You don't want them to look at right. you. You don't want them Just to get talk the baby to you, out. like touch you, nothing. So why mm-hmm. do you think, right? Like, why do you think I'm going to be able to make a decision right now? So if you mm-hmm. don't have that person there that's educated on what should be done and shouldn't be done on what or what they can do to help you feel less pain, then how can they be able to advocate for you to keep you alive if there's an issue? Yeah. So you mm-hmm. have to make sure that your partner is educated. And even if you don't have a partner, but you got somebody else that's going to be there for you, your mom, your grandma, your friend, your whoever, they need to be educated too, because they're going to be the ones that's going to be your yeah. biggest advocate during that mm-hmm. time. And on top of that, they can see things that you can't. Like a lot of women's water gets broken. They don't even know. But if mm-hmm. your partner or your doula was, you know, standing towards the end of the bed to be able to watch what's going on, they would have been able to see that you're about to get your water broke because they have a little slick way of putting the instrument in their hand to be able to break it as they're going in to do a cervical test. 
and you can't see that if right. your head is at the top of the bed. Wow, so, that's crazy. Like, wow. you have to advocate for yourself. There's things that's done all the time that people don't even know it. And breaking of the water is the number one thing that's done that people don't even know. They just think that their oh. water just broke. And really, their oh. doctors just broke their water. And that's the last thing that you want to do, especially going through labor. There, If there's no need to break your water, especially not the excuse to speed up your labor, because uh, no, don't bring right. that protective barrier for your baby. That ba- that protects your baby throughout the whole thing. Once you break that water, you have, you're now on a time clock because of the risk for infection. So right. keep your baby in the water. They can be born in their set. So just hmm. let them stay in their water right. for as long as possible. Right. <laughs> and if they want to be born in it, cool. You can break it then. Right. But no this need to break good. it before. See, this is great. I have one last question, and it's just because you kind of hit on it. Do you see more people just due to COVID kind of trending towards water, at-home water birth, just because you can probably have you know, more people, if you're social distance, I'm not sure if there's like, you know, a rule or anything around that, but do you kind of foresee that being the future of births? Um, a lot of people have went over to midwifery care during this COVID because of them not being able to have the support people that they want in the room. And then in some cases, like in the beginning in New York, they weren't even allowing your partner like there was nobody going back there with you. You're going alone. And that is the worst thing they could have ever done to any mother that had gave birth during that time. Yeah. That is the most traumatic thing ever. To be birthing alone like you are with strangers and you have nobody to comfort you, that alone is already making your instincts mm-hmm. feel like I'm not safe, which then right. can also prolong your labor because your baby feels like, I'm not safe, so I'm not coming out. So Mm -hmm. doing things and then separating their babies from the mom, a lot of people are like, oh, hell no. I'll I'll try this at home. (laughs) Right. So there's been a lot of midwives who, it was like an influx of people. They were just scrambling around trying to find a midwife so that they can birth at home. And what sucks is that in some states, it's still illegal. Um. And just so you know, when you birth at home, you don't have to have your baby in the water. You can have your baby on your bed, on your couch, on the floor, standing up. Have your baby wherever you want to have it. If you want to have it in the mm-hmm. shower, on the toilet, you don't have What's to have your baby in the water. What's the benefit of having it in the water? Is it the familiarity with the liquid and stuff like that, that it kind of helps them? or was? I, I, oh, wait, I also want to ask you this. I saw something where, like, um, they had the baby and they, like, held it underwater or something when it first came out or something like that what is that about mm-hmm. um so they usually do like a gentle transition so um like i said the baby the baby still gets oxygen from the placenta so you don't have to worry about your baby drowning just because they came out in the water and they're still under the water so as long as they're um born underwater they can stay under there basically until the placenta mm. stops um, pulsating, which can be 30 minutes or whatever. Um, but once you bring them That's out, you can't sad. put them back in. Because <laughs> uh, at that point, they've now taken, it's like taking a fish out of the water. So now they're taking their, you know, fresh breath on land. 
don't go, don't dunk your baby back in. Um, but that transition is just kind of like a gentle transition so that they don't have to, it's not like a shock when they come out. Got and it. they're like, okay. new world. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, any like closing suggestions to the people out who are listening? I know we talked like a lit. It seems like a lot of this stuff is like childbirth education. Like people just aren't educated and need to just seek out more information and understand. But anything like to just leave the people for like suggestions or tips or anything like that. Um. To make sure you do take a childbirth education class, you can look in your area by searching on Evite, and there's tons of doulas that always have classes that's um, on there. You can also look to see if there's doulas that do virtual classes. I do virtual classes because um, I want people to be able to have access to the information. Um, right. But some do virtual classes, so you're able to do that. Um, but the main thing is to research. I mean, no matter what someone tell you, go and research it. You don't have to believe them because they may have more practice or more education or more this and that when nine times out of 10, they're probably practicing outdated anyway. Um, so you don't have to do something just because someone say. Um, one thing we always tell people is to go by the acronym BRAIN. Um, so if a doctor tell you there's something you need to do, ask for the benefits, the risk. Hmm. Are there any alternatives? What is your intuition telling you? What if you do nothing? And ask for space and time to think about it. Don't make a brass decision under pressure. Ask for space and tell them, give us a second and we'll think about it. Or you can even ask them, can you leave the room so we can discuss it? So you know, just take your time to make these decisions because of course, giving birth is life or death, but it really doesn't have to be that way. If you make sure you do the research and make sure you know your body, make sure you know how you deal with pain and then interview these providers. You don't just have to pick one, interview them, ask them questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to speak up. Like, this is your birth. This isn't their birth. There isn't nobody else's birth. It's not the hospital birth. It's your birth. So how do you want your birth okay. to and go? And can you remind people really quick, um, Tequila, how to find you on Instagram and wherever else um, they can contact you? Um, on Instagram, it's mama, period, two, period, mama. On um, Facebook, it's mama to mama, Southern love. Uh, my website is m2masl.com um yeah pretty much that's where you can find me awesome well thank you so much tequila this was super informative um i know now how i'll approach pregnancy and it'll be a lot different so i will definitely Mm -hmm. be hitting you up when that time comes (laughs) um got my doula (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. But yes, thank you so much for tuning in. And that's a wrap. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe, rate, and follow us on our Instagram and Twitter. And we'll see you guys on the next episode.